0: Hello and welcome to episode sixty-seven of T or Books. I'm Simon. I'm Rachel. And in this episode, we'll be talking books, books as gifts, yes or no? There's a lot of s's in that. Um, mm. And comparing two novels by Edward Carey, which are Little and Alva and Erva. Uh But first, Happy New Year, Rachel. How are oh, you? Oh, Happy New
1: Year! I'm very well, thank you. Good, well, it's freezing start. uh, Isn't it cold? It's very cold all of a sudden. Um, But I've just had a lovely couple of days away actually in a a country house hotel, which was my first experience and probably only experience of of getting to live in a stately home for a couple of days. Um,
0: (laughs) What were the other clientele like?
1: Well, there really weren't that many people there. I suppose they'd had, must have had like a rush over Christmas and New Year and then. In the first week of January, I mean, he wants to go away. So apart from me, um, but no, there weren't. There was. There, it was mainly um, there were people, sort of middle aged people, really, and slightly older. We were the youngest people there. But we, me and my friend, who we do these things together, we're always the youngest people <laughs> wherever we go. So we're used to it. treasure it.
0: Was it? Was it like
1: exactly? Yeah. Um, and it's like you, you. It's like a stately home where you know you can actually enjoy the rooms. So. You get to go and sit in the library, in the drawing room, in the morning room, and it's all beautifully decorated, lots of antiques and things, and um, there's, like, roaring fires in every room, and you Lovely. just sort of sit, sit down, and someone just appears and asks you if there's anything that you would like, and, um, you know, you can have tea or whatever, and then there's magazines, there's lots of copies of Country Life everywhere to read. Um, yeah, and it's in the morning, they bring you tea in bed. Wow. It's just amazing. That, it was actually, that,
0: I mean, that's that is, they bring you tea in bed, yeah,
1: <laughs> and biscuits.
0: My goodness,
1: I know living the dream when you get to go for walks in the grounds and just, you know pretend it's your garden. It's just lovely.
0: It sounds like you're in an assisted care facility. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's what I want my retirement to be
0: like. <laughs> I start saving now if I were be... <laughs> you. do think you'll get that on the NHS. No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get much reading done while you were there?
1: So I finished Albert and Erda lovely uh which which was very enjoyable and then um i started reading stoner which is the book that um, was chosen for my school book club staff book club um and i've just finished it just now actually and i mean i can't believe i waited so long to read it it's just extraordinary
0: I really, I think, I think it was one of the books I got rid of when I moved house. There's been several oh, okay. recently that, where people have said, "Oh, you should read this." I'm like, "Well, I used to own it." <laughs> but I think, because I'd had it for a few years and it wasn't rising any nearer the top of the TBR pile. I thought, mm. "Oh, well, I,
1: you would, you would like it very much." Rachel
0: do not say that. Oh, well, you did. Oh well, I'll have to buy it again clearly at some point. Although not this year because I'm going to ask you about your re- any reading or book resolutions. But I'm, I have a vague resolution that is don't buy books <laughs> but yeah, um, mine too ah, I saw on your blog yes yeah. um <laughs> which as I noted I on I already that I've
1: spectacularly failed at because I bought one yesterday but okay. you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so it's going to make choosing books for the podcast or well, nigh on impossible but, yes. <laughs> but um yes yeah, so my plan I, I, I have a caveat I don't know if you ha- well presumably you have some if you bought one yesterday my caveat <laughs> is that if I go for a special trip to a bookshop so I'm going to hay on in a few weeks um that sort of thing i'm not going to go there and not buy any books but i'm just not going to do the normal pop into a charity shop or buy something on amazon or whatever
1: yeah i mean i've this is actually working well with my no plastic um thing mm. as well um in that i'm I'm not going to be buying anything online anymore because obviously it all comes in unnecessary packaging oh, wow, uh, really. yeah and um Yesterday I bought a book because I was at a National Trust property, a different one. We stopped off somewhere on our way back home. And uh, they had a book, second-hand bookshop, as National Trust uh, bookshops yeah. often do. And then, you know, they had a first edition of a book I really like. So I thought, well, it's £2. I'm not going to not buy it. But um, And also I'm giving to National Trust. It's basically a charitable contribution.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, what was the book?
1: It's Special Topics in Calamity Physics.
0: I don't know that. Yeah. I assume it's not actually about physics.
1: No, it's not. Um it's a fairly modern book. Um but it's um no for me what I want to do is stop the going into charity shops and just just buying up armfuls of books that I don't need and I just buy because I think oh well you know oh such and such I've heard of that or I don't have I that's a book by that author I don't have when I've already got 10 of their books that know, I've not heard yeah. at home that kind of thing you know it's ter- It gets out of hand. Um so I'm just i'm going to be i'm not going to say i'm never going to buy a book because i think that's unrealistic but i do think uh, and also you know like my flatmate was saying but you get so much pleasure from going to bookshops i was like i know i do don't i so yeah. it's a bit sad to say you can't ever do it but just being more mindful about it and you know i have i have i did have spare shelves when i moved into this back <laughs> about what, All of a few months there.
0: ago yeah.
1: yeah and now i don't so it. I have to I'm going to have to do like sort of one in one out because I'm not build. I've not got any more space to build any bookshelves. So that's not going to happen. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, m- more mindfulness. I already managed to get rid of a few books yesterday that I put in my charity bag. So, um, yeah, I need to just to be more sensible. But I think also what I'm doing today is I'm heading off to the library to join up. Um,
0: very good. Yes
1: there is a very big library just around the corner from my flat and um it's i checked online; it's already got loads of books in it that i I know i want to read so that's going to be my my big thing this year is i'm going to become a library user
0: very good. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've started a sort of one-in-one-out policy for certain sections of the alphabet where the books <laughs> are shelves are tighter. <laughs> so, yeah. Because at the beginning of the alphabet, I've got room for more books on my shelves, but around M, it's very tight. So yesterday, an Iris Murdoch went into my charity shop pile <laughs> when I was putting something else <laughs> on the shelf instead. Um, I am a library member, but I tend to only use it for book group. Uh, although the book I'm currently reading is my next book group book, and the li- there was only one copy in Oxfordshire Libraries, and I assume someone else in book group got there first, which is Balthazar and Blumunda by, I want to say José Saramago, because it's Portuguese rather than Spanish. I think José rather than José, but I could be wrong.
1: I have no idea, yeah. but I've not, and I've not heard of the book.
0: No, I haven't. So I'd heard of Blindness, which I think is the, his most famous one. But there is somebody in book group who... He's, I think, Jose Saramago is from Brazil, and this guy's actually from Mozambique, but you know, both, both speak Portuguese, so he was, um, I think he'd read it in the original and was suggesting it because of that. Right. Um, so it's set d- during the Inquisition, and there's lots about kings and queens and how they procreate so far. <laughs> um, he doesn't use speech marks, which is quite annoying. It's just all the dialogue is just in the paragraph, which I'm finding quite confusing.
1: Right, yeah, that is. is it in the present
0: tense as well? It is in the present tense. Well, it's sort of sometimes in the present tense. <laughs> i have not quite disentangled that. Um, so I think it's one of those ones, I, I was sort of also enjoying it, I think it's one of those ones where you have to get your mind into the into the mindset of the style and then it might go okay. Like, I've, I've always found that with Milan Kundera, who I, who I do really like, but I have to be in the right mood and I have to just let myself go with it. Um, yeah I've started this one usually I start book group books like three days before book group and then complain that I have to read them so quickly so I've started a couple weeks early in the in the hope that I can actually read it when I want to read it rather than you know speed reading it the day of yes it's been so long since I liked one of the book group books we did (laughs) that I thought give give them more of a chance in 2019 um yeah so uh books of the year let's talk about that Although actually, yeah. I did see what your book of the year was on your blog.
1: Yes, I, I can't really say, can I? Yeah.
0: So, leave, so, what was your second favorite book of the year? <laughs>
1: um, do you know what? It was quite difficult to choose this year because I, as I said on my on my blog, if people um, haven't read it yet, um, it's it's been a year where I've I've read a lot of books because I've had to. Mm-hmm. Um, so people have have either made me read books because I'm part of a group or whatever or you have made me read books <laughs> um, or I've had to read books for university or school or whatever so there, there's not actually been a huge amount of books that I've I've personally thought oh I really want to read that and picked it up um, so I didn't have a massively a year where I thought oh yeah you know I've, I've really read a load of books I've really enjoyed it like, mm. it wasn't difficult for me to choose little because there really weren't that many um probably if I had to choose a second favourite, I would say um I'm just looking at my list. I did just read the last book of the year that I read was uncompleted, was Old Baggage, um by Lisa Evans, who mm. wrote their finest hour, which some people will know from uh that they, they just did a film what just did like last year they did a film of it. Um, which is set during world war ii yeah, it's been uh, on
0: netflix queue for a long time but i've not no, seen it yet it's
1: really good though the ending okay. is it, really sad just prepare yourself okay. uh, <laughs> so the um old baggage is really interesting actually it's about um uh, a woman who used to be uh, very active in the suffragette movement she was in prison for hunger strike blah 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 um and it's like fast forward it's the 1920s she's in her sixties, she's a spinster. She lives with another woman in ha- in Hampstead, and she very much feels like she her life doesn't have any purpose. Mm. Um, and it's about her kind of. She so she starts this. She decides that she wants to make, uh, and she's frustrated because she feels like people don't understand that the fight still hasn't finished. You know, most people still can't vote, and a lot of women who who do, who can vote don't vote because mm. they're not. They're not informed. They're not interested, and so she wants to get rid of this apathy amongst women. And she starts this group for for girls on Hampstead Heath. And then her friend, um, who's a fascist, forms like a a counter group to her. And
0: Ew.
1: yeah, it's interesting, and it's all about. And, you know, then there's also the story of the woman she lives with who's, you know, actually in love with her, but she has no concept of this. And it's, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. But parts towards the end, I was I was thinking it was we're, we've, got, we've got too many threads here and I'm, I'm not quite sure what the focus is. But I did really, really enjoy it. And I'd not read anything by her before. I would thought of her as a bit of a, I thought perhaps she'd, she'd be a bit light for me, but she's not at all. And it's very, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it.
0: Okay. Hmm.
1: And I think it's just about to come out on paperback as well, so perfect, perfect. time.
0: Perfect. Yes. I think I follow her on Twitter, so I <laughs> see her talk about it. Um, and she's often a guest, I think she's been a guest on Backlisted a few times, so maybe that's where I first came across her.
1: All right. And what about you then?
0: Well, yes, my favourite book of the year uh, was The Sweet and Twenties by Beverly Nichols, which ah. was one of the books that Karen and I discussed on the podcast for the episode You Weren't Here, so <laughs> you have to go back and read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> So it's nonfiction. It's all about the 1920s, if uh, people would like to go and listen to what Carol and I thought about it, that's episode 52. Um, and it's it was written in 1958, so it's it's one of those interesting things where it's not contemporary, but it's also not contemporary in both yeah, senses yeah, of the word yeah. contemporary. <laughs> so it's um, very 1950s, you point to the 20s, but it it goes through everything from the fashions and the you know, cinema to the cause celebre and the, the crime cases and all sorts of things. Um, and with Beverly Nichols' inimitable style, so I really, really enjoyed that. And um, my favourite novel of the year was *Cassandra at the Wedding* by Dorothy Baker, oh. which I think is from the sixties. Maybe uh, you've read that, haven't you?
1: Yeah, many years ago.
0: Yeah, so it's um, twins reuniting on one of their wedding days, and it and it very gradually unpacks the um, the. Why they're slightly estranged and, and how they're both feeling about it. And I thought it was so subtly and brilliantly done. I'd read, I'd read, um, well, the one about the, the musician, Boy with Horn. Boy, Boy with Horn? I think, uh, before, which, uh, which I enjoyed quite a lot, but it had not prepared me for how brilliant I thought Cassandra at the wedding movie. And it gets the twin seal of approval. I think it's the first book I've read about what it's like to be a twin. So there Very you go. Very right. Yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I, I read more books last year than I've ever read in a year before. So I uh, read 153 books. So uh, yeah, I'm not, not quite sure. I mean, I did that 25 books in 25 days thing and um, that certainly helped. And I've started listening to audio books and I live on my own for the full, for a full year for the first time. So all those things contributed, I'm sure. But uh yeah, it feels good to have got through more of the books on my shelves. <laughs> and that's really why I'm doing the, the whole buying restriction thing. Um because I have hundreds of books I've not read, and I need to get to them.
1: Yeah, likewise. I'm really looking forward to it, actually. Um, I don't know how I'm going to approach it. I was thinking about making some sort of systematic thing. I do want to also, like, properly catalogue my books and put them all on library thing and get rid of all the ones I don't have yes, any do before. it. That would make it easier for us. Please. So much
0: easier. Because you, when you're friends with someone on library thing, you can just see all the books you have in common in a list.
1: Ah, okay. Right, well, I'll, yeah. I'll get on that. That'll be a project
0: perfect and then we all the all the episodes for the year will be sorted in one go. Yeah.
1: Perfect. <laughs> okay, I want it.
0: Great. <laughs> uh well the first topic today is uh appropriately Christmassy. and I think we might still be is the, the 11th day of christmas now? something like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as we record, as it goes out it's probably not. Happy Epiphany everyone. But uh <laughs> <laughs> books as gifts. We're going to talk both about do we like to give books as gifts? And do we like to receive books as gifts? Books as gifts is really hard to say. <laughs> it is. <sighs> um, let's let's start gentle. Did you get many books for Christmas?
1: I didn't actually. Um, I got a couple. My family don't really buy me books for Christmas um, unless I specifically ask for them because they're worried that. Because my, like my sister always says, you've got so many books, I, I, if I buy you something, I'm sure you've already got it. So mm. that's true. Um, my brother, actually, surprisingly, got me um, a book that I hadn't asked for, but was really interesting. Um, he went to stay at Clifton, which is another mm. uh, fancy National Trust-style hotel. Yeah, quite near uh, me. Yes and while he was there he saw in his bedroom that they had uh, a book about the women who had lived at Clifton over the years and there's lots of famous residents and things like Nancy Mm -hmm. Astor being the most famous I think but certainly going back in time and so he bought me a copy of the book so it looks really interesting look forward to reading that.
0: Well done brother, good choice.
1: And um, I also got a really good book that I really wanted from my friend um, which is the exhibition catalogue for the Russia and the Romanovs exhibition at the Queen's Gallery, which I haven't yet been to, but it's basically the first ever exhibition of all of the um gifts given to our royal family by the Romanov family. And knowing that oh, okay. I am obsessed with the Romanovs and Russian history, um my friend got it for me and it's like this huge five hundred page catalogue filled with illustrations, lots of which of things I've not seen before and essays and things. So I'm really looking forward to reading that.
0: Oh, nice, yeah. Um, My family is quite similar in that this this all dates from um, probably about 2003 when I asked my brother to get me a copy of The Red House Mystery by A. Milne for birthday or Christmas or something. Uh, between asking that and the day itself, I'd bought my own copy. (laughs) Um, I was not happy. (laughs) Uh, and, and this is, this has stayed as a reason not to buy me books. But, uh, my, my parents do tend to get me two or three books off my Amazon wishlist. So, um, I'd keep that up to date so that they, they know what I'm, what I'm after. So they did, it's been a long time, I think, since they gave me a book just off their own initiative that I can think of but um, I, they gave me Book Girl by Sarah Clarkson and I'd Rather Be Reading by Anne Bogle this year. Two more books about reading to add to my shelves. Uh, which I've not started yet, but Book Girl particularly looks interesting. I heard about it through um, Elizabeth, who is uh, one of our uh, Patreon patrons. Um, and I think maybe she put it on Instagram. It's it's about how reading in Christian faith, so the books aren't aren't Christian books per se, but um sort of about... How reading can help your spiritual life in general, and I am oh. intrigued. So yeah, um, and other than that, I don't think any of my friends got me books except I was in three different book secret centres, <laughs> so those I did get books from. Right. There's there's one that the Virago Modern Classics uh, group at library thing do every year.
1: Oh yeah
0: Yes, which is which is a great thing to be in because. Um, they can at least, in theory, look at your list of books you already own and not buy you something you already own. Yeah. Um, so I got a few books, including the, the only one I hadn't heard of before is um, called *The Winter of Our Discontent* by John Steinbeck. Obviously, I know who Steinbeck is, but I had not heard of that particular book. No. Do you know? Do you know anything no, about that one?
1: I don't.
0: I mean, I've only read *Of Mice and Men* at school and *The Pearl* for book group a long time ago. So um, it, it was an amusingly sombre title to give someone for a secret centre, I thought, <laughs> but. <laughs> But, uh, looking forward to reading that. Um, and in the past, in that in that secret centre, I've had uh, yeah, really really difficult to, to get to get an exciting book. So I remember opening um, Out of the Red and Into the Blue by Barbara Cummins, and you know, with my parcel on the Christmas tree, and, and sort of squealing with excitement in front of my completely nonplussed family, who did not understand how difficult it was to get a copy of that book and how much I wanted it. <laughs> <that. laughs> so it's just a book. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, two of my book groups do secret Centres, but yes, there's always there's always the worry that there that or well, those ones you just put them into a pile and put and take one out, so they're not personalised in the same way.
1: Oh right, okay, yeah.
0: Um, and what did I get from my book group in Oxford? I got oh, it was um, what's her name? Jeanette Winterson, her retelling of The Winter's Tale. Oh okay. Which I can't remember the title of now, but I thought I've never read Jeanette Winterson, and I really love A Winter's Tale, so. Why not?
1: Yeah, could be interesting.
0: Yeah. Um, hmm. So, do you give books as presents?
1: Um, yes, I did actually give a lot of books this year. I mainly give books... Um, I always buy people books that I've liked and think they should read. Um, <laughs> so I got my parents um, a couple of books each because they they were going on holiday straight after Christmas, so a lot of, like a sunshine holiday. So I got my dad the uh, both of the J.K. Rowling, um, not J.K. Rowling books. You know, I don't know what. Like she Robert got. Galbraith. I yeah, <laughs> got him two of those, and I got my mum a couple of Persephone books. Um, and... Which
0: ones? Do you remember?
1: Yes, I got her – she really likes R.C. Sheriff, so I got Aww. her the, the newish one, the Green Green Gates? Green Gates. Yes, which is wonderful, um, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and I got her Bricks and Mortar, because I thought she'd enjoy that as well. She likes books about houses. Um, and I got my sister, Olive Kitteridge, by Elizabeth Strout, because I really enjoyed it, so I thought she would like that. I mean, I got them other things as well as books. Um, and I got my nephews a book each. I always get them a book each. So I got my oldest nephew a cookbook this year, because um, – mm. And um yeah, because he's off reading at the moment, reading Aww. readings for losers. Because oh, he's, no. I know he's twelve and he's in year seven, and he thinks that you know he knows everything. So
0: is he into cooking?
1: He loves to cook. So I got uh, him a three. It's a three ingredient ingredient cookbook. So you okay. only need three things for every recipe. I mean, most of it's terribly unhealthy, but it's also stuff that you're likely to have at home. So. I thought it would be nice for him to have and he was he was like, oh you know, this is actually this is actually a pretty good book. I was like, Well, you know, I'm glad yeah. I can do something right.
0: Books can be great. <laughs> yeah,
1: but the other two liked their books. My youngest nephew is um he has a bit of trouble with reading, bless him, and um so he specifically asked for a book this year that he could read all by himself. So I found him a book that he could read and he was very happy sitting reading it to me on Christmas Day, so that was nice.
0: That's adorable.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, but um I think I like buying people books. Um, I really like choosing a book that I know somebody will like, especially if I've really enjoyed it myself. And often when I'm reading a book, I'll be thinking, oh, this person would love that or that person would love that. Um, and I really enjoy buying books for people and and looking forward to them reading them and then telling me about them afterwards. I mean, obviously, I also lend people books, but... Um, I think it's nice. I also try to buy an, like a nice edition of a book as well for, for a gift.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: and that's something that I would appreciate more, I think. But I don't really know anybody who's into used books or antique books. Like I would love people to buy me beautiful editions of my favorite books and things like that. But um, that never happens. Well, no, my sister did it once. My sister bought me a first edition of The Secret Garden for my 21st birthday, which is oh, one nice. of my treasured possessions. But th- those sorts of—I don't like it when people buy me um, just the latest books or whatever because
0: yeah.
1: I think, well, you know, I'd, if I'd wanted it, I would have bought it for myself. And also, most of the time, I don't like buying brand new books that just come out in hardback because I'll yeah. get—I'll get them in the charity shop for a pound, like next year, which is by, the, by that time I probably would have got around to reading the book anyway. So, yeah, <laughs> and which makes you sound really ungrateful and awful. <laughs> um,
0: I don't know what you mean. Yeah. My friend Phoebe's is really uh, we buy each other birthday presents rather than Christmas presents, but she's really good at um at both. Yeah, she sends secondhand books and they're not they tend not to be, you know, really special editions, so it's really interesting books uh, that often i don't know anything about. So last birthday she got me of Books and Men by R.S. Stevenson and um ah. I can't remember the title, but a novel, a novel by someone called Christine Orr, O double Uh, and she lives, she's not Scottish, but she lives in Scotland now, and she often sends me Scottish writers, uh, which, indeed, both of those are. So, um, yeah, I've, she's really good at picking interesting things that she thinks I like. We, we did English together at university, so we know each other's tastes fairly, yeah. fairly well. Um, but yes, I, my, my family, uh, as I say, don't, don't tend to own books, and I don't tend to the last couple of years I haven't really bought them books I used to buy them books most years because well generally when I think gift for someone the only thing I can think of is book and it's like well, my mind goes complete blank for anything else you might ever give anybody um, <laughs> so uh, i did get my brother a book about in, about black mirror the the tv show this year but um I'm quite contrarian that if I give someone a book, I want them to read it immediately. But if someone gives me a book, I want there to be an understanding that it might be five years before I read it. And that's fine. So so I'm trying to temper my own impatience that people will read the books that I give them. (laughs) Um, uh, And yeah, I I really don't like being given a book if someone expects me to read it in the next month or something, because it's probably not going to happen. But um, Thankfully, I think most people I know are aware of that now. But I mean, I love being given books and I I love, there's people who like, Phoebe and my friends Claire and, um, my friends Kirsty and Paul, where, where I, where I, I know their taste well enough that there's, there's a, a sort of lovely excitement of thinking, actually, this book would be perfect for them. I'll give them this. And in yeah. fact, my friend Barbara, who, um, she went to an all girls boarding school years ago. And so last, last year, I gave her Terms and Conditions by Sender Max 10 and that very funny, okay. slightly Fox publication all about sort of oral history of girls boarding schools. And she did read that immediately and she loved it. So, um, that, that felt lovely. So yeah, I guess, I mean, This, it's not very exciting to give someone a book who will just put it on the shelf and never look at it again, <laughs> but but it is great to give one to someone who you think, well, this might actually enrich them.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's it's a wonderfully personal gift as well because if you, it's not like, oh, I'm I'm going to run to Waterstones and quickly pick up whatever is on the on the shelf near the door. It's people like us, you know, you're going to choose something that you think, oh, you know, that person's gonna, that part of the book or this character is really going to speak to them. And and I always make an effort to choose something that I think will. Enrich and edify and perhaps inspire in some way. Like if I'm thinking, oh, a friend is thinking about going travelling for the year, I'll find a book about that, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't just buy random stuff, but I I do feel sometimes that people can buy books as a, a kind of a last minute. I mean, what's an, I'll just go, go and get something off the bestseller list, that sort of thing. I mean, none of my friends do that to me because they, they know me too yeah. well, but. <laughs>
0: Easy to read.
1: Well, yes, and I do (laughs) notice that after Christmas, when you go to charity shop, there are always so many brand new books in there that people have just given away immediately because people have been bought books that aren't suited to them.
0: Yeah. How do you feel about book vouchers?
1: Oh, I love book vouchers. One yeah. of those, a wonderful, wonderful parent at my school who buys me a book voucher every Christmas and, um, summer holiday. And I love it because uh-huh. I look forward to it so much because I think, oh, and I use that book voucher to buy those sort of more expensive, often, um, mm. reference books or art books that I've had my eye on for a while but think, oh, I can't justify spending that on, on a book. Um, and so it's really lovely to, to think, oh, I'm, I'm going to get my voucher and then I go off and enjoy spending it and like I'm spending money, but I'm not spending money and it's great.
0: <laughs> yes, I love getting them. Um, I never give them because I, d- I have some sort of, I don't know, middle class belief that you shouldn't ever give a gift where you can tell how much it cost, <laughs> and, in, and it's yeah. obvious how much a voucher costs. But, uh, but, but contrary, I, I love getting them. My friend Chris gave me one for my birthday and in fact, I went to my last book I bought for my book, my self-imposed ban, so on 31st of December I went into Waterstones in Oxford and I bought In the Dark Room by Brian Dillon, which is all about memory and, ironically I can't remember what the other part of it is no. memory and something, memory and grief maybe but um, it's in those, those Fitz Corrado editions that I've talked about before, Yeah. Uh, that um, I now clearly want all of them, but I'm going to try and stick with buying one and reading one before I get the next one yes yes uh my my dad's just retired or will be retiring tomorrow as we record and the diocese gave him hundreds of pounds worth of book tokens and they're thinking if you need any help father I can help you with these but he's just (laughs) he's he's starting a history of art masters in in the autumn so he's going to go buy lots of art books
1: oh lovely
0: yes it was it's it's rather a surprise because his background is in maths and theology but (sighs) good for him (laughs) why not (laughs) um it's apparently an interest that has been latent all these years, or rather, maybe I've just been a negligible, negligible negligent son and not noticed his <laughs> interest in history of art. Um, but yeah.
1: So whereabouts is he doing it?
0: Uh, Open University.
1: Oh, right. Lovely. Yeah.
0: And in fact, my brother started doing a maths master's at the Open University, so they can be little students together. Oh, wow. Matching backpacks and everything. Probably not matching backpacks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well good luck to them it's hard work but worth it in the end
0: yeah and I, I, I don't know how long they're going for because they have two to six years they can do them in so how long did okay. you, how long was yours two years two years yeah. yeah i imagine dad will be quicker because he will not be working and colin will be but yeah. Yeah. um so books as gifts so, well maybe we should turn this into a is it better to give or to receive <laughs> comes to books rather than a book of oh. gifts, yes or no in general. Do you prefer giving books or receiving books?
1: I prefer giving books because often I find the books I receive are not what I would have chosen.
0: Yes, I think my... my Great. Well, yes. I think at the peak of the greatest pleasure in books giving is giving a book to someone that you think is perfect for them, that they haven't heard of, and they read, and they're like, "I can't believe how great this is." But I do also love being given books. I'm not going to not going to come across as too selfless. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yes, let's both let's both start the new year with kind hearts and say that we prefer giving books.
1: Yes.
0: <laughs> That'll be good. That doesn't mean so? that
1: people shouldn't send us books. If no, you know of course. <laughs>
0: Both are wonderful things. Books as Gifts gets a definite thumbs up. Yes. And now on to two books by Edward Carey. Um, do you have any any preference for which one you introduce us to?
1: No, not at all.
0: Great, in which case um, I'll do Alva Ever. which, it, since he wrote it first, I will also talk about it first. So it's, um, it was published, I think, around 2003. It's sort of in the style of a travel guide, but also interspersed with a first-person narrative of this uh, made-up city called Entrala. Uh, and in this city live Alva and Erva, who are twin sisters. Um, and uh, the it's, the book is written as though it's a travel guide sometime in the in the future from when the events of the narrative are taking place, looking back on this city that was, as the subtitle say, the twins who saved a city. So it's this quite idiosyncratic narrative of these twin sisters growing up um, in quite a bizarre community um, fast forward a bit one of them becomes agrophobic, and the other one goes out and measures the different buildings of cities so that the agrophobic one can remodel them from plasticine this becomes an enormous project they fill boxes and boxes of plasticine uh, but it does mean they can open up an exhibition after there is an earthquake and thus they save the city at least theoretically There's lots of other things that happen in it but that's that's a broad overview of it but it's a, i think it's really interesting about their twin dynamic um, and creates this quite bizarre, uh, but very intriguing world. And then this parallel world where you're being given a tour to all the best restaurants and things that you can go. And if you hold a copy of the book, you'll get a discount. Yeah. <laughs> right. Little.
1: Okay. So little is the story of um, Mary Tussaud of, of Tussaud's fame of the uh, wax modeling. Um, and it's so as such is set in 18th century France And it takes us from when she is born in her earliest days, it's told as as an autobiography, so it's in the first person, Um, through her intriguing life, which I'm not entirely, I don't know that much about Mary Tissot, so I'm not sure if it's 100% based in truth or whether he's added quite a bit to it. Mm. I think the basics are, are right. Um, I did actually check with with, uh, a friend at work, because obviously, you know, most of my friends at work are French, Um, (laughs) and it's true that she did live at the court of uh, the Princess Elizabeth, and she was the person who modelled Marat's death mask after the revolution and things like that, so,
0: um,
1: yeah, so she's an absolutely intriguing woman, and you know managed to navigate the most difficult situations you know working for the royal family and then the revolution happening and then managing to work for the revolutionaries and keeping herself safe um and having a very difficult childhood and it's it's wonderful from the historical perspective because you learn all about the the role of um you learn about france at the time but you also learn about how to to make things out of wax and the creative and artistic process but also she's just got this wonderful voice and personality. And, and you learn, I mean, obviously it's it's not really her, but um, the the passion and the tenacity that he gives her is amazing because she's called little because she's so small. But there's also the sense that she's always considered by everybody to be insignificant. Um, and it's how she creates significance out of her life that is the the, the narrative thread of the story. And it's just, yeah, really... Interesting, like a romp through history, but at the same time, um, a really intimate account of somebody's life.
0: Yeah. So I first came across Edward Carey, particularly in fact, Alvar when I was working in the Bodleian. So we used to work for the. uh, When I was doing my traineeship, I did a bit of cataloguing, and I was on the minimum level cataloguing, minimum level records, which were for the books that were uh, basically not were not academic and not likely to go on the open shelves or be seen, which included fiction from about five years earlier so um basically i was typing in how many pages there were in the book and what the title was or something so it wasn't particularly strenuous so it did mean that whenever anything interesting came along i would take a look at it obviously i didn't take that copy but um, okay. i did think oh well, maybe i'll go and see if this is available uh, online because it looked intriguing and in fact the other book i did that with was yellow by yanni visman which is also very good all about um but I think maybe also about agoraphobia. So, uh, yes, I um, I bought it and read it quite quickly, and really became com- beguiled by his his viewpoint on the world and his intriguing style. So I was really excited after a gap where he wrote young adult fiction for a while, which I haven't read. When he brought out Little, and so yeah, I got a review copy of that. Um, and I think we've already said it on the previous episode, but but what drew you to Little?
1: Um, I was intrigued. Because of the Mary Two Swords story, um, I I didn't really know very much about her at all, mm. um, and I wanted to, I wanted to learn about it. And I also just thought the whole concept was really interesting about you know learning about the moulding process and the making of of models, while also learning about eighteenth century France. I thought, well, why not?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yes, I have to say I was I was I wanted to read it, but I was. I was intrigued as to how he would deal with real life, because, I mean, Alvanova is obviously in a f- fictional land. The other yeah. one I've read, um Observatory Mansions, is in real England, but it's this extremely strange main character who w- works as a living statue and steal things from all the other people in his building, keeps them in a secret museum of things that people love. So, <laughs> not normal. No. Uh, and so I was thinking, how is he going to write about the real world? But Uh, like you i don't know very much about her in fact i wasn't even sure she was a real person so (laughs) i came completely (laughs) um completely open to whatever he was going to say but um i think you got that balance of presumably basis in fact with just heightened a feel of heightened fantasy to it um or well, not fantasy, perhaps, but sort of eccentricity, perhaps. Uh, I thought it worked really well. So I felt like I was learning a bit about what was going on. But also, I, I didn't, it didn't feel like he was trying to write the truth at any point. It was this strange... I mean, maybe her life was just really strange, but... Uh, yeah, apparently it, it, did, it was. Yeah. yeah, I guess it didn't feel like a, a departure for him stylistically. I, I felt there was, there was a lot of the same DNA between these two novels, even though yeah. they were describing extremely different things.
1: Yes, I think um you really do feel that it's a book by him both times. I mean, not that the voices were the same in any way, but there's a kind of I don't know how I would put it, but there's a sort of sentiment behind the words that is his. Did you feel that? Or is that just me? I felt like his outlook on the world was being shown through these characters in different but different ways, but I could still Feel
0: his viewpoint of the world coming through. Yeah, definitely. I've, uh, there are quite a lot of surprising similarities. So both the books concern people who want to make replicas of the real world. Yeah, there's, yes. there's, there's modelling. So it's either modelling this city out of Hastene or modelling death masks and then you know different people's uh, heads and things. Uh, there's a feeling of um, wanting to get out into the world and explore it and sense of what the world has to offer in yeah. both books and also. Uh, both of them have um, quite strong themes about family being both an entrapment and and something that they long for. So, yeah. I, as you say, Alva, who is the, the narrator of the two in Alva and Ever, and Little aren't in any way the same person, but I feel like they yeah, they share a lot of traits or a yes. lot of viewpoints.
1: Yes, I did feel that they were quite similar as characters in many ways. They're both trying to escape um what had become quite oppressive home situations and both had a very strong sense of their own individuality and their own specialness I suppose that they were both destined for more than than what they had been born into um and I found that sense of a kind of uniqueness and the desire to to do something unique, to do something different, was quite powerful through both of them. So obviously in um, Little, Little's difference is wanting to excel at creating these beautiful models. And then Irva is, is the one who cares about the models, but Alva cares about travelling the world and she has that extraordinary tattoo done of the world across her body. Yeah, I um, love
0: that because I, I love it when authors take images that seem slightly, like they're going slightly too far and yet it really just crystallises everything that um, they're trying to say. So as you say, she gets and I think the descriptions of it are brilliant, how she gets every continent across her entire body tattooed by this man over a series of appointments and is hiding it from the rest of her family. Yeah. Um, and she force feeds maps to her sister as well.
1: Yeah. yeah. It's I mean, it was fascinating. And for me, I mean obviously I don't know anything about being a twin. Um and it's though incidentally I was a twin originally, but um I yeah, I, yeah, I destroyed my twin in the womb. Um and obviously not I'm not intentional.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: but it's that kind of intense love but also intense hatred of the thought that you know we aren't the same people and I want to be different and I want to do something different and and Alva kind of describing how she loves her sister so much but she also wants to hurt her is I just found that dynamic so interesting and, and painful but at the same time I could understand it completely that like the the sense of closeness but also the frustration at thinking well everyone always thinks we're the same and I'm not the same and I want to I want people to see me. I don't want people just to see me as being part of this pair. Um I mean I don't know whether you've ever experienced that, but
0: Yeah, I think I think it is a really good depiction of twins. In fact, in many ways, like in Cassandra at the wedding, I think of the two I've always been more of the Irva <laughs> than the Alva, so I just I've I've wanted to say in the security of the of the twinship rather than the separate identities. And I think Collins lent more towards the Alva, not to this extent, but I think it is a really good description of, of that Closeness that is also, you know, can subsume an identity, um, and then what it's like when that f- is first challenged. Um, I think he exaggerates it, but they, I mean everything's exaggerated in it, so that's you know yeah. not not surprising. Um, and I certainly don't feel like I hate Colin at all <laughs> in the way that they <laughs> they seem to feel that animosity. But uh, yeah, I, I I do. I thought uh, the way that, that it manifested itself with you know Irva's silences that she just no longer speaks to anyone um again it's he, he's really good at finding heightened images and, and metaphors for the way that for, for ordinary human emotions i guess uh and i think he does that really well in um in little as well i think well in fact it's, it's sort of a fairy tale-esque feeling to the household that she finds herself in it's sort of a wicked stepmother thing uh although not technically her stepmother but um I, and, and then living in the cupboard at the, at the palace. Did she live in a cupboard? Is that real? Yes, do yes, yes. Good grief. How bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I thought, um, that he also really justified the length of Little because I was quite surprised it was quite a lot, quite yes. as long as it is because his other books have been relatively short. Um, I don't know about the young adult ones, but, but yeah, it, it's, it takes you through at such a, at such a, um, even pace, I guess, that you don't feel like you're wading through a long book. It feels like you are growing with her. Yeah, um, yeah, and the illustrations, wonderful.
1: Absolutely, I really enjoyed the illustrations, and I—I I was actually wondering in Alva and Erva as well. Like, did did he have to make that sculpture that we see photographed the whole time? It's-
0: yes, I read an interview with him oh, about right. it, and he did. I don't know if he did the whole city. I can't remember, but um, but yeah, he he did build all those those models.
1: It's brilliant. It's it feels. What I love about his writing is that you just feel completely immersed in the reality mm, of these mm. worlds, and I suppose for him part of that is is doing the illustrations and the modelling. He feels that he can enter himself more fully on an imaginative level into the the world that he's created, and that symbiotic relationship between mm. draw, drawing and and writing is works really well. Um, and I just I just found both of the novels. Utterly absorbing in pulling me completely into these worlds, I felt so immersed in them. Um, and Alva and Erva, I just—I'd never read anything. I've never read anything like it before. A completely unique format, really. Mm-hmm. Um, How
0: did you feel the travel narrative sections worked?
1: I really enjoyed them, mm. um, and it helped me to kind of—I suppose. I, it was a bit strange because I couldn't quite tell when the book was set and how far oh, yeah. in the past and then when you get to the end and you realise, oh okay so they're still alive so it can't be that far um, but it, for me what I found really intriguing about it was that kind of it takes me it sort of took me back a bit to 19th century and, and 18th century literature with that conceit that you know you're reading something that really happened and this is real and this is not mm, mm. um and you've got that two levels of narration this is a this is a guidebook, and then within that you've got the story of this person um and for me it worked really well and and it made me feel like the story of alva and erva i was like well you know I i felt more um, connected to Alva in a way because I thought this is what you always wanted. You wanted to have significance and you wanted um, your story to be heard, and and it is being heard. And even though I knew obviously it was part of the fictional conceit, yeah. it it added a poignancy I think to the story that perhaps wouldn't have been there if if that extra layer of of the narrative hadn't hadn't have been included.
0: And there is that uh, safe poignancy that um, the rest of the world in this in this novel know her as the woman who died on a bus yes. and was driven around town all day because the bus driver was new and didn't think he could stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and her significance in the city is obviously very different. Yeah, I I really liked the because to- the tone he has for the travel guide is quite different from the yes. tone of the rest of the book. Uh, I still I still prefer the second half of the book I think, but maybe that's just because I was more immersed in it by then. But um, but I think it was a brave choice uh, to do, and I think. it it does um, yeah, it does work well the two pair interestingly together you just have to you just have to go with it, I guess because it starts off with this introduction this is' not by Augustus Hercus, as it is, but it's by Edward Carey. <laughs> um and I don't know I normally I find a gimmicks a little putting um but it didn't really feel like a gimmick, it just felt like part of the world building, so is yeah. yeah so so I could completely go with it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's just I, I just think he's such a, a clever and interesting writer. He's obviously got an extraordinary imagination. Um and he experiments really successfully with the form of writing. I think I mean obviously little is, is less experimental in its mm. form, but Alva and certainly so and uh, I mean I'm I'm struggling to to understand why he's not more widely read because when you go online to try and find his books a lot of his books are out of print or you know they're only available in america or something like that and it's it's also not clear which of his books are for adults and which aren't um
0: yeah yeah well guess little has been doing um really well as far as i can tell it uh seemed to get a lot more promotion than the previous ones and it seems yeah. to sort of be disappearing in you know mainstream newspapers and things so I have hope, it's been quite a break since his in between novels, so I'm hoping he's now back into <laughs> the swing of things and will, and will, maybe they'll bring back his, his old books back into print. Yeah. It's a different publisher now, so maybe that's part of, I think it's a different, yeah, he's now with Gallic, he used to be with Picador, so um or is Gallic part of Picador? I don't know. But, maybe, maybe we will be ahead of the trend when it comes to, yeah, well, I mean, I
1: think he should have a wider audience because, yeah he's fascinating and i'm really looking forward to you. I and mean, i'm hoping that the library will have a copy of because it's observatory mansions is his other adult novel isn't
0: that's it that's right yeah yeah and i can't remember which yeah. one he wrote first whether it was observatory mansions or over and over but um they're very yeah they're both very clearly by the same author <laughs>
1: yeah
0: they feel similar worlds or similar styles i guess uh is it I do prefer Ravennaeffer which is why I suggested suggested that one of the two. I think possibly this observer mentions is very mean I guess the the main character is very mean in a way that I found quite hard to read. <laughs> but, okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it's still very good. Interesting. Um and so between oh, Did you have more you want to say about Letters No, or? no.
1: Really
0: talk- Cuz we haven't talked that much about it but it because I don't know it's because it's all of a piece I guess it just it 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 has a uh, very logical and natural progression from childhood to it is, it is a building's roman i guess um,
1: yeah but, and i think because a lot of the events of her life are, are, were quite surprising and unpredictable and, and things that she could not have expected talking about it's quite difficult because if you start saying oh when this happens and when that happens you're enjoying you're removing a lot of the enjoyment of the, mm, of the experience true. reading it because you think oh my goodness you know how on earth did we get from here to to here and to here and the description i mean everything about it is wonderful the description the way that he writes the imaginative details the descriptions of paris i mean i could go mm-hmm. on
0: yes and really interesting about the whole revolution and everything in a way that the only other book i've read set then was sylvia Townsend warner's book about the french revolution called- oh someone will show which i hated so uh, so it's nice <laughs> to have washed that out of my mind one thing I did want to mention about the illustrations, uh, which I think we've made clear that Carrie did, but in case we didn't mention that, I really liked the conceit that when she first sees dead bodies quite young, that she draws them as a bird and as a mouse, I think it is. Um, yeah. That. Or at least that's what the drawings are. I don't know if we we're meant to think that she's done them, but it's, it's, she's too young to cope with that sort of yeah. thing. So, so she just, tra- they're transposed into animals. Yeah. Which, um, so I thought was really clever. And yes, if you see a copy of the book, the illustrations on the front are all by, by Carey as well as one. So I mean, it's not a, it's not a graphic novel or anything. There's, there's no. maybe one, one, every 30 pages or something, but, um, well, maybe a bit more than that. Yeah. But yeah. But, um, yeah, a good, uh, maybe it'll be on the booker, booker list this year. Who knows? I feel like it should be. And I have read a total of one book, one novel published in 2018. So I, <laughs> so right, <laughs> I have the right to declare it. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes. Okay, right, so Little or Alva and
1: oh, do you know what? It's really hard to choose because I have to think about why I'm choosing. It's
0: almost I, like it's the whole point of the podcast. I know.
1: <laughs> I think, do you know what? I think I'm going to go with Alva and Herba just because I think it's more experimental and more interesting in its format as a novel and it's so different to anything I've read before that for that reason alone, even though I, I love them both, that's why i would pick
0: that one oh, lovely and me too yes i think partly because for all the reasons you say i think also because it was the first book i read by him and it introduced me to this really interesting unusual writer and so the memories associated with that also mean um that yeah i, know, I mean it stayed with me in the 10 plus years since i read it so yeah oh, i'm really pleased you liked and ever as well good
1: yeah i did very much and thank you for you know well actually yeah for, for making me read it so because I would have, I, I would have, you know, made an attempt to read more of his at some point, but this pushed me to, to read it sooner. And I think Strong actually it's good it, it it it. to have it together. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, look at us.
0: We liked modern books. It yes, we did. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well,
1: obviously we're going to go back to the past for the, yes. <laughs> uh, for the next podcast. So, should I say what we're doing? Yes, please. Um, so Rebecca emailed and suggested, um, Thank you, Rebecca. that we, um, compared, Pride and Prejudice with Elizabeth Gaskell's North and South so we are both in the process of rereading North and South which is taking us some time so <laughs> um,
0: well, I'm actually reading it for the first time I've not read it before
1: oh have you not I didn't realize no, yeah.
0: um
1: okay so uh we're, but, well I'm rereading your reading um so probably what next couple of weeks so it would be interesting 2021 you know,
0: whenever we finish it yeah <laughs> yeah
1: Yeah. at some point uh, if you would if you've no, never read either of those books or you've read one but not the other then please do uh read and we can they're both freely available on kindle because they're out of copyright um and yes. i'm already finding many interesting parallels between the two that i hadn't noticed before so
0: ah excellent ah. and yes we should say I mean I'm sure you all know but Pride and Prejudice by Jane Austen just in case anyone yes, exists who doesn't know that <laughs> uh, this could be the first time you read it and well, what a wonderful thing that would be
1: what a wonderful thing that would be if you haven't ever read Pride and Prejudice um, let this be your opportunity
0: Let's drop everything
1: yeah
0: right great um, happy new year everyone again and we'll yes, speak happy to you new year. soon bye bye